Nelson, what's up, man? Dude, Ophelia's up. Pouring rain, winds, yeah, another tropical this? storm. What Wilmington. are you going to do this weekend, man? You can't get out and uh, and be about. Oh, I'm going to, you know, hang out with the kids, shop. I don't know, do something, watch a little TV. What about you? What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to watch some sports, man. You're watching this, what are you doing, college or pro football? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. A little bit of both, man. Got to see uh, Got to see Alabama lose and got to see uh, my Packers get back on the right track Sunday. Well, you're a Duke guy, right? You know, Duke is playing UConn. Duke is playing UConn. So they have absolutely no chance of winning. Nope. UConn doesn't. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we're talking about football, not basketball. Oh, yeah. wait. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Hey, let's talk about sports. Let's talk about it. <laughs> nice, nice. You're a sports fan, dude? Actually, I know you're a sports fan. You're a, yeah, you're a big you, sports freak. Yeah, I told you I was going to watch uh, some sports uh, movies this weekend. Yeah, what kind of movie? Man, one of the all-time greats. Yeah. Basketball. Oh, kill me. Trey Parker, baby, Matt Stone, come on. Should you be admitting to all of our listeners and possible employers or bosses that you'll be you'll be high this Dude, weekend it's a hybrid of two of our favorite pastimes high, baseball and basketball being the Come operative on. word there dude you gotta admit that is a terrible you gotta admit movie. it's a sport i'm not admitting any That's basketball a, is a hybrid sport it's absolutely not a sport well let's think about what a sport is okay sports are competitive yeah sports oftentimes are organized by a league or governing body okay clear winner and loser or at least outcome Agreed. Uh, physically exerting. Agreed. And uh, competitive. Agreed. Well, there you have it. Basketball. Yeah, but that's not real. Well, no. That stupid thing but they play in the Harry Potter movies. Quidditch is was going to be the next one. Oh, God. Hey, but here's the thing. I never saw the Harry Potter movies. I only know about that from another well, movie look, that I, referenced. What is it called? Quidditch. Quidditch. I absolutely oh. agree that some of the games and movies, particularly those sci-fi or fantasy movies are not real nor ever could be real because you can't fly around on a broom, at least not at this point, unless they mechanize or motorize one like they've done to all the skateboards. And what is it, by the way, with all the kids on skateboards that come humming by you? They've got motors attached to them. I don't know, Grandpa. What do you think it is? Whatever happened to just a regular skateboard? Here's the idea. If you're going to ride a skateboard with a motor on it, you might as well ride a motorcycle. I don't know. I like those things, man. You can get around to the city. It's not, it's not, that's not a, it's not even sport related. What do you do? It's that's fun. Oh, it's a game. It's a hobby. It's a game. Well, it's let me ask you. Speaking of speaking of things that you probably would not agree are sports. Yeah. What do you think about yoga? No, it's not a sport. What is it? It's yoga. Is it an exercise? If you want, yeah, sure. But it's com- it can be competitive. Well, anything can be competitive, there's but that's not a sport. There's definitely rules and governing bodies. You could make judgments about a person's yoga pose, I suppose. Are you saying you, I mean, yeah, could you have a yoga league? Sure. Absolutely. In and of itself, is yoga or any exercise a sport? No. What is it that no exercise is a sport? Oh, I think I'll ask you this then. What no, about swimming to. or running? Is it competitive? When it's competitive, yes. When it's not, it's an exercise. So what if you had competitive yoga? Then, yeah, that could be a sport. But yoga in and of itself, on its own, without any other clarification or definition, is not a sport. It's would yoga. You, would you watch it? Yoga? Competitive yoga. I highly doubt it. What about Look, competitive goat yoga? 
where the little baby goats stand on your back and you get into those poses. Let me explain something to you that you already know about me and sports. Okay? I'm a freak. Okay. There's only so much RAM in the brain for football, basketball, baseball, college basketball, college football. There's only golf. Tennis. There's only so much I have. Well, I don't have enough room well, look, for yoga. And I also throw in possible, the Olympics, is by it the way. Is it possible that the only reason you have bandwidth for those games and not other games is because there's nostalgia or there's that it's the way it's already it's the way it's all, always been kind of motif going on in your mind? I mean, isn't it possible that you just need to open yourself up to the possibility of something like basketball as, as, or competitive Dungeons and Dragons. Ooh, you're pushing my buttons today. I got one for you. Cheerleading. Now, you got to be careful with that one. And on that note, <laughs> why, why don't we take a break? I'll come back and set the table. Let's do it. quite a list all right look if you're a sports fan you know most of those calls and if you're old enough chances are you can remember watching some of those moments live but what is it about sports that inspires many of us to invest so much of our time and emotional energy in a player or a team why do sports have such a hold on us and how long has this been going on i mean certainly the love affair that human beings have with sport is not new The earliest evidence we can find of humans participating in something that could be defined today as a sport date back 70,000 years. Sports in prehistory, the Paleolithic era, and the Neolithic ages were closely connected to training and preparation for warfare and included some of the sports we still consider sports today like archery, wrestling, and later swimming. Now, By the time we get to ancient Egypt, sports had expanded considerably. Competitions were not just about training, but were becoming more leisurely pursuits that could entertain those who watched, but also earned status and prestige for those who participated and excelled. Egyptians were nearly halfway to a decathlon, with events like long jump, high jump, and javelin throw. But they also had several ball games that were regulated and managed. Of course, the first formal institution of sports was the Olympic Games in ancient Greece. The games took place every four years, and an Olympic truce was enacted among the city-states so that athletes could travel safely to Olympia to compete. The Olympiad became a unit of time, and the games instituted in 776 BCE were held every four years until 339. Other civilizations similarly saw something of value in athletic competitions. In China, gymnastics was popular as early as 2000 BCE, And a game similar to modern-day football or soccer, honestly, I don't even know anymore, was played as early as 1500 BCE. In Mesoamerica, ball games were popularized around 2500 BCE, 
with one game offering striking similarities the squash or racquetball we've actually found some of those courts they became so important that they were even connected later to important mesoamerican rituals and even human sacrifice polo and jousting could be found easily in persia and in the indus valley a tag-like game was played by adults and children everywhere we look we see sport sports were of course a critical part of roman history too the Colosseum was the beating heart of the great city, but arenas were like Walmarts throughout the empire. Any town that was a town had to have at least one. Gladiatorial combat, chariot racing, they were important. So important that during the final years of the empire, when they'd closed the gates of the city to prevent Gothic invasion, the show went on. Starving spectators even came up with chants during public executions, offering to buy the meat of the slaughtered masses. During the Middle Ages, sport was more sporadic and more clearly defined by wealth and class. Knights participated in games during festivals, but these games were more clearly tied to warfare. Hunting, hawking, and horse racing were activities that defined prestige. Now, if you couldn't participate in horse racing, you were not a real noble. Ball games were played by all, but controlled by the nobility. Many of them put bans on restrictions in place for the masses. Despite the practical origins, sport has typically been connected to leisure and affluence. When both increased dramatically during the Industrial Revolution, the variety and formalization of modern sports began in earnest. In Europe and Great Britain, in the middle part of the 19th century, soccer or football, and honestly, we really have to settle this. Pool, croquet, cricket, rounders, tennis, squash, and even golf were all formalized. Young boys were encouraged to participate and gravitated toward these games and were taught the values and equality by playing them. But perhaps nowhere has sport played such an important and outsized role than in America. Sports like basketball, not basketball, and volleyball were invented in America, and the four major sports leagues in the United States are all more than 70 years old. Now we Americans might miss out on soccer, though that is rapidly changing, but few countries in the world can match our consistent appetite for athletic competition of all types. Look, we're biased. Put him on the couch is chaired by two avid sports fans. But the history and psychology here are just too compelling to ignore. Even the politics of sports, from the NFL and Roger Goodell, to FIFA, the governing body for soccer, to the International Olympic Committee, merit a deeper dive into what exactly is going on here so dear listeners here is my question are you ready for it okay let's let's put this another way are you ready ding ding sports fans it's time as we put sports on the couch man that was wonderful. The only problem is, hard for me to believe a word of it. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Well, because I feel like no matter how purist, how much of a purist you are, no matter how much of a fanatic or rabid sports lover you are, no matter how conservative you are about what constitutes a sport, what doesn't, the definition's always changing for us, isn't it? I mean, I looked up I don't know. Can you think com. of something that well, wasn't a sport that is a sport today? Oh, my God. So many things. Give but, me one. Badminton. Not a sport. <laughs> Dictionary.com defines a sport as an athletic 
activity requiring skill or physical prowess. I mean, that's it, which is kind of cool. It goes on to specify, specifically mention racing, baseball, tennis, golf, bowling, wrestling, hunting, and fishing as sports. Now, I heard in your setting of the table, you start talking about like the rich man, the noble, the the person that carries the gun across his arm and takes his dogs out and plays bad, uh, not badminton, maybe badminton, but also Probably plays badminton. croquet in the afternoon. Squash. Yeah. You know, King Henry VIII was a big squash dude. I know he was big. No, not till he was later. He actually injured himself in a squash well, match. Yeah, I think yeah he, he blew out his knee. Yeah, I watched that. It was the Tudors, wasn't it? I don't know. I'm just but telling hey, you, man, he blew th- out his th- knee. Think about squash. the emergence of esports, right? I mean, you got you've got organizations like ESPN, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, ostensibly made for sports. Yeah. Tele- the entertainment sports network. Televising poker tournaments cornhole and even that's drone not racing. about sports that's it's about, about making content. money that's about it's making content money. Yeah, it's about you, th- making you think money. poker's a sport no absolutely not all right you think uh dodgeball's a sport uh maybe yeah i think yeah, it is i think, I think it, it is be. i think you could have some competitive guard i think uh, we need to get vince vaughn on here yeah let's talk about it you know i do have a friend in south carolina named jim Steele. i think i've made mention to, of him before he does a, a little podcast that's getting quite the attention in uh the uh upstate of south carolina called the coach's chair now, he's a big sports fan. He's been in sports all of his life. I mean, I don't know people, anybody um, as a kid that could shoot the ball better than him. Anyway, love to get his take. Maybe I can get a bread, breadcrumb or two from him uh, sometime telling us uh, what he thinks a sport is and what it isn't. What about fishing? Fishing, absolutely not. What about curling or Wait a darts? minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up, back yeah, up, back yeah. up. I'm, I'm a, talking about competitive fishing. You, no, have I'm, you a, ever, I'm a purist. Have you, have, I'm a purist. I think have you gotta, ever hooked in to a tuna? No, but I mean, you don't have to competitively fish for tuna. You can competitive, competitively cri- fish anything. for crappie or crappie or whatever they call those little tiny fish. Yeah, but fish. if it's got to be physical, it's got to be a big fish. Well, I don't know if it has fish. to be physical. I mean, I tend to you believe. You don't think sports have to be physical. I am a purist. So I tend to think you've got to be able to get injured or hurt playing sports, maybe even training for them. But You can get I mean, injured pulling but, in a fish. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not, not redneck as, here. I'm but, not. Not, but not as likely, right? Not but, as likely. Okay, are you more likely to get injured reeling in a fish or swinging a golf club? That's a good point. I mean, I don't think you'll get injured swinging the golf club as much as you get injured being hit by the I, golf I ball. I think what you're Tiger in- Woods, ask him. I mean, this guy. Yeah, he trained really hard and hurt himself from training and or swinging that club 150 miles an hour. Yeah, but I think what you're getting at, though, is maybe there's something to be said for the mental stamina it takes to get drunk on a boat and pull in a big fish. Right. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I've been deep sea fishing once and I was bored out of my freaking mind. Well, yeah, right? I mean, that's fine. Okay. So maybe what you're saying is sports, in addition to being something you can get injured at and yeah. that are physical, uh, maybe you're saying they also have to have at the same time a simultaneous mental component. I mean, I want to say there has to be a mental component, but... Well, what's the hardest part of golf? The physical part or the mental Definitely part? Definitely mental. But likewise, so is the MMA game and boxing. I mean, you've got a, a lot of – hell, even baseball, right? Yogi Berra said I think what, 99% is, is what, what happens between the years. Um, so let me, let, me, let me tease this out for a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, when I was, when I was in the Let's Army – Let's game this out. When I, when I was in the Army, I met dudes – who did nothing but work out all day mm-hmm. when we were in Afghanistan. And when you say I mean, work out, you mean weight lift. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, steroid, anabolic steroids. Pumping iron. Hair, they were, like, you can get a steroid as easy as you can get a soda. It was just everywhere. Would they call themselves an athlete? 
I would. I, I would say that some of the guys that I went to Afghanistan with were capable physically of playing with the Jets, the Giants, certainly the Jets. I mean, yeah, but I don't know if they had the right? mental or the talent. That's right? what I'm saying. That's why I feel like the separator is mental. Mm. I feel like there are a lot of people that we know who yeah. are capable of performing at the highest levels physically. But mentally, maybe not. Like, look at a guy like Zach Wilson, right? Quarterback. I mean, and I use that term loosely. Uh, the person who plays the position known as quarterback for the New York Jets. Physically capable, I Physically. A, I mean, dude, dude was like a, the number two pick overall. He was a beast. Yeah. And he sucks. Yeah. Because he, it's, it's, and look, look at, look at Tom Brady. Have you ever seen Tom Brady's, uh, Videos from, from the combine. combine absolutely, oh he looks like that makes I me do feel, now. That yeah. makes me feel like a world class athlete. Yeah, but Dude. that just goes to show you, doesn't it? It does, right? Like, so how are we defining all this? I don't stuff? know, man. I mean, look, I asked Chat GPT, my favorite um, artificially intelligent program, to basically give me the top five criteria uh, upon which we determine whether something is a sport or not. No, uh-huh. I asked it. Furthermore, tell me if it's not a sport, what? What might it be? A game, a hobby, a leisure activity? And um, ChatGPT, in its infinite wisdom, said, look, if you're going to define something as a sport, it it really needs to have as many of the following characteristics as possible. All right. Let's Um, see what the chat says. Yeah. So the first one, it says, you really need to make sure that there is an element of competition. What do you think about that? I think that's critical. Yes. It doesn't really distinguish uh, physical or mental, but I think it's got to be well, physical it goes further than and that, mental. Right? And personally, I like for it, I would like for it to be physical and mental. But there has to be a threshold for physicality too. Certainly, moving a pawn on a chessboard is a physical act, right? Yeah, but again, I think I would go so far as to say there's a pretty good chance you can get hurt training and or in the game. Okay. Um, so that's, so that's, that's the why threshold I, that's why I don't think yeah I think chess is probably more of a game. Okay. So we've got I agree. so we got a it's competitive right? Yep. And it's physically and mentally competitive. Now, got it. admittedly, some things are physically competitive but don't require a ton of mental. I would argue like arm wrestling. Mm. You know, I mean, okay. I don't yeah. know any yeah. arm wrestlers, competitive arm wrestlers. I assume they would say, look, you're right. It's very physically exhausting it's, it's a physically competitive sport however there's also a lot of mental that goes into it that you don't you don't appreciate jason to that i'd say yeah touche tell me what what do you do how do you get ready mentally uh to arm wrestle someone right is it in the stare down is it in the trash talking leading yeah, up to I, it? I, i'm you with know, you I, I might lack uh yeah. imagination but i don't think that's a but mental I mean, then, sport then vice versa you know i'm not going to call darts a sport only because i don't think it takes a lot of physical prowess with which to throw a sharp little plastic um, filament across the air ten feet. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. Like but it does, you, but it, it does require mental mental acumen. And or, it, it does require talent. Yeah. But like, there's, I wouldn't consider juggling a sport. I wouldn't consider shuffling cards a sport. Um, you know, if you become really good at something like darts, I don't think that's indicative of some sort of athletic prowess. Mm-hmm. It's just training and practice. Right. And I mean, for that matter, what about competitive dance? Yes, it's a performance. Um, it's a show. It's it's a. I mean, I guess it's a. It's physically demanding, though, isn't it? Okay, so you certainly here, get well, hurt. Well, you know, in that same vein, what about something like synchronized swimming? Yeah, I, I agree. I think most people it is a sport that you have to judge a sport. 
Oh, I'm glad you asked that. Does there have to be sort of an outside judge that determines the outcome or winning and losing? I mean, I feel like there should also, yeah, I feel like there needs to be some kind of refereeing or some kind of judge. I don't know though. But you, you see that in you see that in um I'm not talking about chess. I'm not talking about officiating. I'm talking about like people the score is based off of their determination. I mean, you uh, judge subjectivity. A, you mean? Yeah, you you judge a poetry contest. Yeah, but you also you, judge a wrestling match, right? Like Greco-Roman wrestling, they do actually judge that MMA, boxing. Like they go to the scorecard, and a lot of that is subjective. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's sort of my problem, though. Like, <laughs> so you wouldn't. Well, I mean, you're, I, you're I don't know. There's a lot of possible listeners if you say MMA and boxing are not sports. But no, I, I, I guess, agree. I'm kind of with you. I, Maybe I, it's not. I I, I don't. It's it's physical, it's competitive, but my thing with anything that's judged is, and, and maybe again, maybe it's ego. Yeah, I don't see a difference when I watch. Like, have you ever watched synchronized swimming? I have. Have you ever watched like gymnastics? I have. Okay. Both of them I seem to be physically exerting. I, I feel like to be fair and honest, right? Mm -hmm. When I'm watching something like gymnastics, and I I love watching gymnastics right. in the Olympics, but. I bet you my perception of what's happening is different. Then. Is based off of what I hear the announcers saying. Right. Like, am I being honest? Can I really see a difference between a nine point eight and a nine point five? No, score? but you know what? Can I see that, that doesn't mean it's not a sport because I mean no, I don't see not. the difference between a an athlete that can run a four four forty and a four three eight forty. Right? Like that's so small. I mean, the yeah, difference the between sport, the what, elite and the almost elite in sport sometimes is so imperceptible that you can't catch it unless you have one of those high-speed cameras or you've got, like, the acumen of a person that's been playing it and judging it their entire life. Well, and that's the thing. It must be yeah. – It must be. they must have those high-speed cameras. They, yeah. Those judges yeah. must – you know, they obviously come from the sport, so maybe about, they see stuff. What about horse racing, dude? Like, when you climb nope. on or in something. Mm -mm. NASCAR? Nope. Mm -mm. NASCAR's not a sport either. Not unless I'm a an game? amateur what champion. Is what is NASCAR? A game? It's a drive. A drive. It's a it's a it's waste. Just, it's, it's just a redneck a waste of time. Oh my gosh, oh my you are going to lose all twenty redneck listeners we've got. Oh my well, God, thanks they a lot. can. I mean, are they that soft? Like it's just terrible. I guess. What about if you're drinking and you're driving around that track two hundred miles an hour? That's dangerous and stupid. But hey, then it could be called an extreme sport, couldn't it? I guess. Well, we already have that. It's called hey, demolition derby. Hey, we'll get into that a little bit later, <laughs> a man. Roller, hey, roller well, let's, derby. let's move on with this right, chat yeah, got, GPT. This chat GPT criteria. Yeah, what else? What else is the uh, chat? Got, um, us, man? We've got formality and organization. Sports often have organized leagues, tournaments, and official governing bodies overseeing them. Yeah, I think that's. Well, so let's think MMA, boxing. I, yeah, Cornhole I think that probably has a league they or have a governing a, they body. They have a now. governing body. I like that. I think that's important. Okay. Do you do you think you have to have that? Or I is do. That just, I do. So in that in that with that in that respect, cornhole actually fits the bill. No, because not you know it's like not a lot of physical. Not every rectangle is a square. Yeah, not every. Know, it's not really a physical. Or not game. every square is a rectangle. Although it is kind of tough to stand upright whenever you've had a couple of pitchers of beer in it. Yeah, I'm what I'm saying is there are things that have official governing bodies that also aren't sports. Oh, yeah, yeah. And cornhole, you think, might be one of them. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and likewise, darts. I think and so. And likewise... Uh, billiards. Billiards. Uh, poker. Like, poker. Drag racing. Yep, yep. NASCAR. Yep. Huh. Formula One. Yep. Ooh. Well, not just drag racing, but uh, drag queen competitions. <laughs> get out, get out. <laughs> You're really going to get us in trouble. Um, objective and outcome in sports. The objective is often to achieve a specific goal or score more than your opponent with defined rules. 
Yes. Yeah. That's and important. So I, I think there has to be a winner, loser, at least, or an outcome. There's, so a tie is I, an outcome, I was going right? to say, let's, let's not. A tie is an outcome. Let's not, you know, disparage the beautiful game. Got to be a zero-sum game, though. I think there's got to be a winner, loser, and occasionally, as long as it's for not, not for all the marbles, you can have a tie. But, you know, even those sports that do a lot of tying, like soccer, they have um, a way to settle the tie, particularly if you're playing for a... Um, a championship, right? Right. And I think the Super Bowl is the same way, right? You can tie in the regular season now, which, by the way, I hate. After a certain number of overtimes, now we tie in professional football. No, just one. And they reduced it to 10 minutes. That's terrible, though. I love it. I hate a tie. I love it. I hate a tie. Dude, we have other things do to do Do you want baseball games to tie? Yes. They probably should. Probably yes. should. They have 162. Calm down. Like, we can have one tie. You know what the tie. record is, by the way, for the longest M- M- MLB game, Major League Baseball. Uh, uh, probably, it used to be twenty-seven innings, which is three games. Oh, it's got to be more than that. I think we've gone longer now. Let's take a look. And Chat GPT says, "I don't trust it." What is it? I don't trust. Is it, it. twenty-seven? You just, it just <laughs> says twenty-seven. You're just competitive. You just don't want to be wrong. Twenty-seven. All right, kick. Uh, let's let's. Uh, kick on. Uh, level of play. Sports are usually played at a more competitive and organized level, often with professional athletes and teams who train specific skill sets. What do you think about that? Yeah. Well, right. I mean, if that's the case, then I've heard that golfers really do train. Tiger Woods was in the weight oh, room course, a lot, man. right? And as you said, there can be a, uh, elite athletes that have the bodies of like stepdads who do nothing sure. but drink beer and lay on the couch all weekend. Look yeah, out. You're still Tiger talking Woods. about golf. Tiger Woods, yeah. But so level of play. Yeah, you can. I think about NASCAR, man. You climb in that car. Oh, you don't call it a sport. But, I mean, those Neither guys are anybody. those guys are in very good shape. Got to be. I'm sure. Got to be. That's, that's great. That's amazing. <laughs> Runners and wait, swimmers. Wait, would you call a astronaut? A an athlete. I mean, like, man. It, I mean, I know it's physically I've seen demanding. Photographs I'm not of Mark minimizing Kelly. what they do. I'm just saying I've they don't. Have, they don't compete in a sport. Sorry, dude. But they strap themselves to a freaking like 50 megaton rocket or whatever. That's amazing. It is amazing. It Nobody's is amazing. going zero to 60 faster than them. Right. It's also not pro football. No. <laughs> or pro anything. It's just no. driving. But you know what? Pro football is not even pro football anymore. All right. Let's, let's, no, finish, let's, let's, let's finish up this what's a sport and then go through some sports. So what else do we got? We, we Have we defined? We got, yeah. I mean, I, we're pretty close to the end. I mean, those are. All right. So. Uh, I got others, though. Um, so so why, don't we, why don't we go through some sports that are borderline or some skill though. I, I think we got to add skill, right? We, yeah, we talked important. about comp- competition, exertion, right? But skill, I think that's, that's gotta be a part of sport as well, right? Skill. There has to be a skillful element. I agree. And that's why, you know, that's why you're not putting fishing on there. No, I know. Right. Cause I mean that I, it's a mental thing. You gotta be smart. Maybe you gotta know where to throw the, the lure and you, maybe you gotta have some strength to reel them in if they're big enough, but, but come on, man. I mean, a special skill? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Now, in that case, I'm, though, I'm, I'm pulling poker the... becomes more of a sport because it is based on skill. Uh, and the injury? Not so much injury, though, <laughs> right? And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you have to have all five of these or not. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So I'm, I'm saying it, we agree, I think, that there has to be a level of physicality, yeah. right? Yeah. All right, so poker's out. Yeah. Um, but I don't know it? how much physicality. Badminton is it in or out? Pickleball, in or pickleball, out? Pickleball, badminton—they both have some physicality. 
Um, it is a it, those both require skill. You can train. Let's put them in. There are leagues. I mean, Let's, there's we, a bad. We might put them in. Yeah, I'm sure. Holy God. I'm sure. All right. Anyway. Hey, man, uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, let's talk a little bit about ancient sports. Yeah, and and some of the psychology, you know, evolutionarily and, you know, within the competition itself. I want to get into that. Yeah, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us, I am one half of the cast of Put Him on the Couch, Jason McCoy. The better half. And I'm joined by Nelson Boyer. We've been talking about sport or sports and specifically what constitutes a sport. Is bowling a sport? Is badminton a sport? Is synchronized swimming a sport? Well, you we know, a lot, of, a lot of uh, sports aficionados would, I guess, argue the way maybe you and I have been arguing that there's a purity that must be preserved when we talk about sport, right? There has to be these certain criteria uh, that are met in order for it to be a true sport. But, you know, I'm, I'm open. I'm open. I'm uh, willing to accept that there might be some games out there that under certain circumstances are more of a sport and vice versa. I'm also open to the possibility that things that maybe I've always just thought were a sport, under most circumstances at least, Maybe they're not sports. Maybe they're just a form of exercise. Like most people running are not running for sport. That's right. And if they are, they're just using that as a as a wordplay. They're not really playing sports. They're just exercising. It's a yeah. hobby. It's yeah. The the funny thing is competitive running. I think I t- exists. I, I totally agree with you. the The funny thing is people who run and don't compete. Yeah, I would consider them athletes. Yeah. So historically, yeah, you're you're the psych guy. Hey, you're the history guy, man. I know, and I see a history of sport when it comes not only to civilized man, but to pre-civilized man. Uh, you know, I set the table. Really I was, bad, dude. Yeah, well, I mean. That reminds me of I'm your opening going, with archery. Way, Is archery a sport? I, I'm not. I heard you make reference to archery as a sport. It's dude. an Olympic sport. Oof. You could definitely get injured. I thought that I thought that's where you were going to go back to with this, with this uh, segment. Well, Olympics, this is what Olympics. I kind of want to talk about, right, is – Obviously, there's a societal need, okay, uh, to prepare for warfare, uh, foster cooperation among competing groups, et cetera, et cetera. What is it, though? Sports morphed. Uh, you know, when we were civilized uh, in ancient Egypt, uh, in Greece, sports seemed to morph and develop some sort of, I don't, I don't want to say hold because maybe that's too strong, but there's certainly been some sort of fascination or interest in athletic competition in civilized society. And I'm always forced to ask the old question, what is the psychological or evolutionary benefit to doing something? Like Dude, that? I want to be as close to God or close to a God as I can possibly be. Right. And when I take a look at the gladiators and I realize, Oh my God, talk about no holds, talk about an unfair game or sport. I look at something like that, and while I might celebrate it if I'm living in ancient Rome, while I might yell and and be ready to get my letter in the mail that says I can come to the games, I honestly have to admit I'm not practicing for it. I'm not going to even fantasize about being in there with a large animal or a couple of large men. However, when we become more civilized and we start to organize these sports that have more rules and there's more, well, 
let's just say it, uh, less likelihood that you're going to die at the end of the game or by the end of the game, then I don't know. I gave it. I think it democratized. It, it gave people like me and you, people that are not, you know, that don't that didn't uh, weren't born looking like the Incredible Hulk, <laughs> uh, a chance. There is an appeal to the meritocracy of athletic competition, mm-hmm. isn't there? Yeah, I think so. You know, in 2014, um, when the Seahawks and Patriots were getting ready to meet in the Super Bowl, yeah. uh, we were right on the verge. Or in fact, we were actually in the middle of um, the Olympic Games, the Winter Olympic Games. Yeah. Um, in Sochi, Russia, and Russia was doing a lot of saber rattling and a lot of threatening of its southern neighbor, Ukraine, and getting ready, and in fact would in a few short weeks invade uh, and take over Crimea. Mm-hmm. What do you think the biggest story in the United States was that week? Uh, that we were leading in the uh, gold medal or overall medal count? No, no, I said Winter Olympics. <laughs> that was Norway. Um, Bodie Miller and some other no, female no, no. Uh, downhill skier were getting together, no, or was that no. when Lindsey Vaughn, the downhill skier, that started was, dating Tiger Woods? That was the week that Tiger or the Tiger, Tiger. Woods, that Tom Brady ah, Deflate Gate committed. Yes, yes, committed the ultimate. It sin. was it was the top story what one a night on the on the what a cheater, right? Oh my! God. Look, I'm no Tom Brady fan. I'm certainly no uh, Patriots fan, but I gotta say. Talk about sour grapes. People will come up with any explanation or excuse as to why Tom Brady shouldn't have or shouldn't deserve to have won any of those rings, let alone two hands full of them. Okay, but let me be the amateur psychologist. Yeah. We react differently when we feel the rules have been violated. Especially if it's for our against. But for our team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, think about so did you know that in the seven years that Lance Armstrong won the Tour de France, yeah. riders number two who placed two through ten yeah. in every one of those years, those riders were at some point banned or disqualified for using performance-enhancing drugs I or blood doping. I thought you were going to ask me who was number two and, 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 in the years uh, And this is some of the psychology and, that I want to get to, because when I say sports as a whole, not us, right? I, this is fascinating to me. But it was just a tiny motor Lance Armstrong had in his bike. Yeah. It wasn't like a large motor. It was a blood dope it was, motor. It was only, yeah, well, he had that and a little motor, man. Yeah, Lance Armstrong, man. He wasn't just doping. He had the little... Yeah. Uh, he had a little mini motor in, what, what in are his you, bike. What are you? Are you? Are you? Is this a joke? or Are you serious? No, I, I, I'm. There's really 100%, a, a motor. Yeah, 100. percent There's a guy that was interviewed not too long ago, maybe on Real Time or Real Sports with Bryant Gumble and HBO. Oh yeah, yeah. Pretty sure that's where I saw it. Um, he was interviewing a guy from like, I don't know, Kazakhstan or you know somewhere like that in the, in the um, across the pond, and this guy was like, yeah, you know, they paid me hundreds of thousands of dollars for these motors to put in these bikes. And Lance Armstrong was a customer. What? Yeah. Again, not the only customer. Did he deny that? Because that would would hold great weight with me. (laughs) Yeah, he's denied that. (laughs) But like I said, every one of those riders was banned for blood doping. And we were supposed to believe, and I'll be honest with you, I did believe Mm. that the person who beat all of the dopers... But that person he was, was pure. yes. But he was better than pure because he he only had one testicle. He was better than pure. One testicle, right? So he had half the testosterone. Of course, someone who studies human sexuality and hormones that, knows that, that wouldn't. That's not true. No, I was no. Say, that wouldn't Your be one thing, testicle would will actually pump out twice as much testosterone when you lose one of them. 
What if you lose both? If you lose both of them, you're going to need some kind of supplement probably. Gotcha. Which, by the way, would also disqualify you from competition. But the reaction to cheating in sport, mm. I mean, we look at sport as a, a meritocracy. Yes. And so you think that, you know, evolutionarily speaking, it gave people a chance to compete on equal terms and also to be associated uh, by virtue of support with the very best. Absolutely. And is that what still gives us that whole? Uh, I mean, what I is think the fascination? So. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Look, I may not be in the Olympics. doesn't explain why you're a Duke fan. <laughs> uh, I may not be in the Olympics. I may never compete on a national stage, but let's say that I'm a runner, just a hobby runner. Dude, I can set my watch, and when I finish the distance, I can divide the time and the distance and find out how fast I was going, right? I can do these little little calculations and find out how far off I am from the world record or how far off I am from a world-class athlete. I mean, that's pretty cool. Again, yeah. I'm not a god. I'm not even a, an elite athlete, but I can, like, measure myself against an elite athlete. Yeah. And um, I can possibly shave some time off. Speaking of people measuring themselves against elite athletes, what record do you think um, that has been sort of uh, set in the past 100 years is the most impressive to you in sport? That's a good question. Uh, are we talking about... doesn't like matter, individual, Olympic. it could be Olympic. Like what's, what is something? It could be baseball, home runs, uh, no. games played with uninterrupted games. I, I, I game feel like streak. there's so much room to grow with... Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, the, the, all of our leagues are yeah. at least 70 years or older, mm -hmm. but, but none are, you know, more than like 120 years old. Right. So I don't feel, I feel like there's a lot of room to grow yeah. with regards to team sports. So what I'm going to say might seem counterintuitive. I'm most impressed with the uh, hundred meter dash. Actually, it's funny you should say that. I, I am I'm actually impressed with, yeah, Usain Bolt. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I think sure. didn't didn't just get smashed or, or wasn't wasn't there like a young kid from America that is right up against that record or maybe beat one of his maybe it's two hundred was it Michael Johnson's or are you saying well, yeah, I know Michael Johnson ran the two hundred a I have no idea but I b that so. brings me to an, another point right yeah. it's like did you ever notice how every four years people become experts in women's gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. You and I, let's be honest, we don't know shit no, about women. We don't know we anything don't know. about it. We don't. No. Let's be honest. And I never watch until. Um, but do we or do we not sit there the and talk about The women's gymnastic yep. team, specifically our girl, um, <laughs> Simone, Biles. Simone Biles, gets up there and, and I root for her and I feel like, you know, she's my kid sister or something. I'm telling you, if you put, and I'm sick. And I'll but, fight somebody as well, by the way, if they if they say that she's second place or if that her performance wasn't closest, the closest to a 10. Absolutely. I will. If. I, I'm not like, into cockroach racing. Nope. If you put flags on, on those cockroach? cockroaches, would I watch? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Sign me up right now. It's funny you should as have said that. As long as there was an American It's funny flag. you should have said that. Remember, and it wasn't too long ago, when the world ground to a halt and we basically just said, okay, we're not going to play sports anymore. Oh, my God. COVID. Yeah. Dude, I did watch marble is, racing. I was going to ask you. Did you, you do that? 100%. Oh I did God, that. And I'll so tell you, funny. my brother, my brother Andy turned me on to <laughs> it. It's awesome. And I'm like, what is going on here? By the way, I think Great Britain got back to sport faster than we did because I went to visit Andy over Christmas a couple years ago. And you know what he was watching? 
No, darts, competitive darts. Dude, they were drinking beer, throwing the darts. I love people, watching darts. People in the uh, audience were screaming. Like, I thought there were going to be bar fights. I'm like, this is great. And I was like, dude, I can't believe they started doing this. They should have always been doing this. He goes, dude, they are doing this. <laughs> like, they do always do this. They've been like, doing it forever. They've been doing it forever, but now people are watching it. Like, what, that's so cool. What do you think that's... Yeah, I watch marble racing. Absolutely. Do you think that's part of the appeal and the draw for sport is... You know, as a stand-in for uh, for war, is <laughs> stand it? Stand-in for war, stand-in oh, for violence, fighting. right? Is Again, it? Or is being that closer just to me? God, being closer to the best, uh, putting yourself to the test. Look, sports allows you to put yourself to the test without actually dying for the most part, right? Most, most sports you participate in, even when you participate against the best, you're probably not going to die. I mean, unless it's a gladiator-style fight, uh, a match right, right. like boxing or MMA or maybe professional football. But look, I can get in there with a professional baseball player and not die. I can get in there with a professional basketball player and not die. Yeah, I mean, true. no, nothing else on this earth really lets me get that close to the most elite, most godlike among us, right? Think about it. I mean, there's just nothing. Nobody's ever going to let me get close to um, a Hollywood movie set. I'm never going to get close to um, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. But... Sport, man, I can go out in my backyard again, and I can dribble a basketball, you can and I can stand there. Course. Yeah, I can stand yeah, there at yeah. the three-point line and shoot fifteen in a row, and be like, "Hey, still not as good as Steph Curry, but I'm I'm Steph Curry, but I'm I'm getting there." Yeah. By the way, I watched a video of him the other night. Guess how many he hit from three-point land in a row? Yes, uh, twenty-five. I stopped counting because it went on for five minutes, and the film apparently was not edited. That's ridiculous. He just shot one after the other for five minutes and didn't miss. That's ridiculous. Can anybody do that? Or uh, Christian Leitner. No. <laughs> can anybody do that? I'm sorry. Girl, can, you, can you train yourself to do that? Absolute, or do you think I, there's something natural? All right. I'm about to, I'm about to throw some something at you. I was dating a young girl one time who was the state champion in North Carolina mm -hmm. in free throws. Okay. Uh, she and I were hanging out at the house one day, and I was like, oh, let's play a little one-on-one. -on -one. She started playing with me, and she's like, you better not miss. I'm like, oh, I've got height, and I can jump. I'm not going to miss. She goes, I'm not either. She shot everything from 10 to 20 feet out and never missed. She beat me. Now, I, I told her I would never tell the story, and I would never admit if she told anyone. But I can honestly say, she's like, at that moment, she said, you do know that I, I have the record in North Carolina for free throws. I was on the Hoggard basketball team at one point. I was like, oh. "Wow!" Well, you can look her up. I'll tell you her name after um, after uh, the show. But I think she hit like ninety seven of a hundred in a state competition. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I've never hit more than about ten free throws in a row, and I bet I couldn't do more than fifty or sixty out of a hundred. You know, it's weird. I used to because I played a lot of basketball. I played mm -hmm. JV basketball. Um, our and listeners, that was that was when you're in twelfth uh, grade or. Uh, <laughs> Freshman college. Okay. <laughs> I, got a, I got a sponsorship <laughs> exemption. <laughs> Junior varsity laser. He's playing basketball. Dude, I was good. kidding. Hey, He's I, playing basketball. I, I, I never picked up a basketball until like seventh grade, and I just became obsessed. I, I went to the courts every day. Like I shot till 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. I loved basketball. I still do. Right. Um, but, you know, our listeners probably can't tell that, you know, Maybe they can deduce by my high-pitched voice that I'm not very tall. Well, no, and they probably – and honestly, don't tell me how good you were at shooting free throws because we already know I you shot go, underhanded. What I was we already know you no. shot underhanded. Somebody did. Uh, who was yeah, that guy? Yeah, Jerry West Jerry, or someone like that. Yeah, somebody shot. Dude, that guy balled out. I think it became illegal 
Yeah, I think so. There was a guy. I I'm can't just remember. making that up. I think you can shoot it that way. But, I think but you can, would. but uh, somebody was shooting them, and he was uh, competing at that time for the uh, best percentage in the league yeah. in free throws. I thought that's that's incredible. Well, I always felt like Shaq could probably he he probably would have had a better free throw average had he done that. I was told though, and I want to circle back to this because I want to get into the mental aspect mm-hmm. of the sport. I was told that Shaq could like nail a nine out of ten in practice every time. But when he got, you in the believe game, that. One hundred percent. Wow. But wow. but when when the game is on the line or when you get in your head, you start you start so this uh, is overthinking it. Yeah. So when I went, so I, I said play ball, and I would go practice. Mm-hmm. I would shoot a hundred free throws. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And my goal was always to get above seventy percent. Oh wow. And I think I I did it once. Mm-hmm. Like I was not a, a very good free throw shooter. I was no. okay. That's it's harder than you think, man. So. There was like four or five times, right, where right. I'm, I'm in the zone, I'm doing well, and let's say I have like 64 or 65 mm-hmm. through 90 free throw attempts. Wow. You just I miss all the others. Always, I would turtle. Yeah, dude. And even though like I'm You're just playing against mess, myself, man. man. You're a nervous mess, man. You got to get out of your head. I, I'll give you another one, right? Yeah. Let's say I'm playing golf and uh, I'm competing with my buddies. The yips. Oh, my. So... If I had like a four or five foot putt that I had to make yeah. and there's a dollar on the putt, it's over. I'll miss it. it yeah. I mean, I'd make it more than half the time if there yeah. was nothing on it. But if they put a dollar and, on and it, man, I'll turn that's, it. And that, my friend, is what makes the elite athletes so impressive to me. That's what makes Tom Brady impressive. Amen. I mean, have you ever seen that guy down 20, 30, 40 with hardly any time left in the game? What's or he Patty doing? Holmes. Is he sulking on the sidelines? Is he putting a towel over his head like Cam Newton used to do? No, he's give me the ball. Man, he's like, give me the ball. He's over there pepping his team up. He's yelling at them. He's in their faces. He's like, get your ass up and get out there. We're going to win this game. And you know, they believed him. I believe they believed him. I don't know that they believed in themselves, but those guys sitting on the bench, man, when he come by there like a tornado saying, look, get the ball back to me. We're going to go down and score. So I, mean, I, I want to I want to explore – the individual athlete, and then the what happens mentally and psychologically as a fan. Yeah. Let's play uh, a few more clips. Let's maybe get the uh, Bobby Thompson shot heard around the world. Yeah. And uh, we'll come back and we'll do that. Yeah, let's do that. I feel like I just won. I feel like I just won. Oh, you don't feel like that. Come on, dude. You're a Duke fan. Dude, hey. Duke wins all the time. Have you not watched them play freaking football? I this think year? we should tell our listeners. I went up to Duke with my daughters. Oh, I feel and, like you've told uh, the story before. I haven't told you this story. You fell in love. You no, fell in love no, no. with the look in your daughter's eyes as they looked around that campus and they thought and to then, themselves. And then I told my daughter, you can't go here. There's nothing that says national champion anywhere. Oh, my God. We have you to apparently leave. did not walk into Cameron Indoor Stadium. Oh, no, no. We walked into the gift shop where they were selling, you know, merchandise from winning teams. Well, we nah. couldn't find anything, dude. Not we couldn't find year. anything. Or the year before, year. or the year before, or the year they before. They also win lacrosse before. like every year. Come on. Oh, man. there's no, a 2010. There's a winner. We won in 2010 right, look, for sure. I'll tell you what. Here's what I'm going to do. Right. Just to, you know, just to begin this part of our conversation. Sure. I'm going to tell you about the fourth greatest moment of my life. And... and Jason, this is legit. This is no joke. 
This is the fourth greatest moment of my life. Sack we're, race, fourth grade field no, day. We're taking off, okay? Yeah. My daughter's being born, one and two, and then your wedding day, that's three. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, I don't Boston know. Boston Red Sox, baby. This win is it, the baby. pennant. No. 2008, nine, what no, was it? No, no, no. No? Uh, not win the pennant, man. This was when the World win Series. Win the World Series, oh, yeah. Dude, I, was, I was in the U.S. Army. It was 5 o'clock in the morning. I was on a gate. I had duty till 6, and I'm listening to it on the radio. And, I mean, our listeners who have been Because you guys have been military, cursed for how long? 100 years? Uh, 80, Almost 86, yeah. 86. I think Chicago had the longest. 86. And so wow. we're up. Yeah. Hometown hero, Trot Nixon. It's I a home remember. run in the first inning. Dude, we are up. Yeah. We are this close. Wilmington, North Carolina, baby. Hoggard High School. And I no, s- New Hanover High School. I s- that's right, New Hanover. And I said to my I said to my guys, I'm going to look, fire me. Really? I don't care. Well, well, you're, I'm in the Army. If you want to fire yeah. me, fire me. I'm leaving. Oh, and I thought I, you were going to say you've already won. Like Life is over. No, no, no. Won. I was telling them. Look, you were leaving. I am, I am abandoning my post. Dude, didn't I am, they just, didn't I am they just done. court-martial someone for that? They might have. I said, I'm done. You guys are here. I am walking back to the station. I will not miss this. I would not for the life of me miss. Just as I wouldn't miss the birth of a child. It was the um, last inning? Is that Last what you were going? inning. So I walked back. So they were trying to hold. Yeah, I walked back 10 minutes. I yeah. said, I got to see it. I got to be on the phone with my dad yeah. and watch it live. So I did that, walked back. I had a bottle of champagne. I went outside um, at like 7.30 in the morning after my night shift. I poured that champagne all over me, man. I felt like I was... I felt like I was experiencing what they were experiencing. You yeah. know? And it's I, silly I to look back. It. it was just so important. Man. Yeah, what was, about you? Do I you was in a, a little bar. Well, have... that same night I was in a little bar, uh, Charlie Brown's downtown Wilmington, North Carolina, playing some trivia, hanging out with some friends. And um, the game was on, and uh, someone called in from another bar uh, to a friend of mine saying that you know we should come over to Hell's Kitchen, uh, that the Red Sox were about to win it all. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And so I started tuning in uh, on the TV and Charlie Brown's. I'm like, damn, sure enough, they're they're getting close. So I remember we walked over to Hell's Kitchen and kind of sort of celebrated with this uh, with this young lady who loved Boston, I guess, uh, more than she loved life. And yeah, it was it's pretty surprising that they they won. Honestly, I didn't care as much. No, uh, you I never didn't. Was but what a, about you? What about uh, do you have a moment girl. for your? Can you think? Of, yeah, what, of what is your greatest sports moment? Honestly, probably. Yeah. Um, you're gonna think it's cheesy, no, but no. watching oh, my watching thing. my four or five year old daughter competing with like you know all boys out in the uh, the rec league here in Wilmington, North Carolina. She'd never played soccer before. We'd been kicking the ball back and forth for maybe six months at the house, and we thought, well, maybe she'll she'll take up soccer and like it. We'll see. She goes out there and she scores like one of the first or, or second games of the season. Was the first person to score on her team. Um, and then ended up leading that season on her team, at least in scores, became known as the team striker, right? And um, since then, she's now almost nine. She still leads her team. She's only played one game this season, and she leads her team in in goals again. She's, How old was she that first year? Uh, five years old, and now she's nine. She's been playing with boys a year or two older than her since she started at age five. So, and right now she plays eleven U, plays with almost all boys. In fact, last week. She played the best team in the league. There were about 18 of them, all boys. They also play travel ball. My daughter does not play travel ball. She just plays rec once or twice a week. And she was playing with 10, 11-year-old boys and scored on them. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I have to admit, man. That was your, that's your that's, number that's one That's my moment. Point? That's my moment. Now my son also, when he, he played his first um, 
official like league basketball game last year. My wife was the coach. It was kind of strange um, that um, she did so well because she has no training and doesn't know much about basketball at all. But she got out there with about six or seven five-year-olds, and um, they played, I think, three or five-on-five. And my son, after the second or third game, like scored maybe six baskets, had two or three steals, a couple blocks, and a couple assists. I'm like, all right, well, gosh. But, Obviously, but in parents, professional sports, parents, yeah, but, but there's an emotional connection yeah, to your child. No, but, professional but what about sports. just the team? Man, watching the Duke Blue Devils win the national championship with Leitner was the first time I really fell hard in love with Duke. Are you trolling me? I'm not trolling you. Because you, you know, you know how in, bad that hurt. Oh, I know it hurts you in particular. Oh, you. Um, I know. Um, let's wait. Let's, and then, let's of course, fast forward. Hold on. Let's listen to that. Duke still has one timeout left in case they can't get anything going. The Dove Hennefeld has scored four of Connecticut's six points in the overtime. All right, this is interesting. UConn not playing the passer. All right, here is Leitner with the shot, and it scores. And Duke wins. Yes, oh. man. I mean, I remember it like oh. it was yesterday. I was in the In-N-Out Deli oh, playing video Jimmy. poker, illegal video poker, something, by the way, 30 years later, we're trying to legalize here more <laughs> of in North Carolina. Back yeah. in South Carolina, I was playing illegal video poker in a little place called the In-N-Out Deli right across from the hospital in Greenwood, South Carolina. When, um, Why late, were you a Duke when, fan at that time? I don't know that I was a hardcore Duke fan. I was just someone who liked competition, clearly. I was in the In-N-Out Deli, which was a gas station slash pool hall slash hangout bar, you name it. And there were video poker games in there. I'm not even sure I was even older than 21. When was that, 1991? Yeah, 92. 92. I was barely 20, 21. Jeez. 20. I should have been 20. And they were letting me play video poker and paying it out, man. And, uh, yeah, I saw that. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what, there's a white boy doing that What's going on? To with us basketball why do people have that reaction i mean what is it about it's tribal man isn't it it's tribal well evolutionarily speaking what um, am i getting out of this well you're getting a jolt of testosterone that's for damn sure i mean studies have shown that when fans people just wearing the same jersey as the team on the television screen in the bar that you're watching Mm -hmm. when the team wins not only uh, do they get a jolt of testosterone and whatever whatever other hormones um, are important to winning? But so do the fans. Like when when endocrinologists, really? yeah, when endocrinologists take blood samples of people before and after a, a game, like a, just a Sunday football game in the NFL, the people in the bar watching the game, um, if they're wearing the jersey of the winning team, their testosterone rises precipitously after the game is won. Vice versa, vice versa. Um, If you're a Panthers fan, your testosterone is always that of a prepubescent boy. (laughs) (laughs) Panthers slam. Man, no, seriously. I I like the Panthers. I like all of the former players, the the great, late, great Sam Mills. Man, I loved him. I loved John Casey, uh, the kicker. Man, I loved... um, Who's the guy from North Carolina State that that was um, a linebacker and he... Julius Peppers, man. I like um, Christian McCaffrey. Oh, yeah. Um, had a good game. Of course, of course he's he had a great game running up and down the field on uh, – of course, he doesn't play for the Panthers anymore, does he? 
No, I feel no, really sorry enough. for Bryce Young, man. The kid is a lot of talent, but I don't know that he's that smart. So did you see uh, what's his name repositioning? He was he was standing behind like the left guard the other night. Yeah, but Jason, this is the thing, man. We, Come on, man. You've we, taken a lot of snaps. You should know where the center is. We get we, we are too quick to evaluate these quarterbacks. You know it as well as I do. We are way too quick to evaluate. I mean, after three or four games, like you can play, you can't play, and that's hey, it. Hey, I do like, agree. I do agree we're too quick. That's why Tom Brady was taken so late in the draft and ended that's up right. burning everybody. That's right, man. So who is the uh, – so, I mean, obviously when you're saying we get like a contact high, right? When we yeah. win, we get a contact high. What is – who is the anti-Tom Brady and what happens when we lose? Like who is – can you think of the choke artist of all time? And, and why do people? I is there something yeah, I mean, I genetically think it's, in us? It's Ray Finkel, right? He was uh, a kicker <laughs> for the Dolphins back in the eighties or nineties. Hey, hey, hey! The laces were in. They were in. <laughs> no, I'm sure you're thinking Bill Buckner, right? Uh well, what's yeah? I mean, I think I am thinking Bill Buckner. Do I mean everybody in New England growing up? Yeah. knows this sound. So the winning run is at second base with two out, three and two. To Little roller up along first, behind the bag, it gets through Buckner, here comes Knight and the Mets win it! Well, dude, everybody knows about, everybody in Boston and New England knows about Bill Buckner. Oh, yes. Listen to this clip, okay? Yeah. Um, of, of 1984? 86. 86, World yeah, Series with the Mets. Yeah. And then listen to what he says. I want to get into some of this mm-hmm. about fan reaction and and his feelings around that day. As time wore on, the media tightened their focus on Buckner. The next day, the media, they asked me, how are you going to deal with this the rest of your life? You lost this game for the team, and uh, I go, wait a minute. You know, I didn't lose the game for the team, and we haven't even finished the series. Obviously, the New England fans were upset. They felt like something got taken away from them. And it's almost like they're on the team. And, you know, when the team doesn't win, I didn't lose. Buckner lost, you know. Point the finger. Wow, yeah, that's sad. Yeah, I mean, everybody blaming him, everybody angry with him. I mean, I talked about what happens when you win, talked about the mental part of sports a little bit, how hard it is. But... How hard is it to lose? What happens Dude, to I us mean, when we lose, man? That's the price you pay, I guess, when it's a sport, right? Um, and when it's something that everyone loves. I think it's interesting to me, as you were talking about this, and as I was listening to Bill Buckner there, how old is that interview, by the way? Uh, I think it was one of those 30 for 30s they did. So okay, I think so it was, relatively recent. Yeah, I think it was like 15 years ago. Yeah, uh, still very front and center in his mind, I'm sure. Yeah, he, he, in, he said in, he said it was just the biggest relief to see the Red Sox win it in two thousand four. Yeah, of course, sort of let him off the hook. But it is interesting when when we can't let something go in sport, we often remind each other, "Well, it's just a game. It's just a game." Isn't that funny? We're yeah. sitting here quibbling <laughs> over what's a sport and what's a game, as if games aren't as serious and games aren't as aren't important. Yeah, and uh, yet, and yet as soon as really we agree important. it's a sport and they lose, you're like, "Oh, it's just a game." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, we're such hypocrites. We want it both ways. 
It hurts, though. What happens to the mind when it's under that type of duress and pressure? And is there a way to train yourself to become Tiger Woods, there must Tom be. Brady? There must be. Although, I don't know. There may be some biological... Why do you say there must be? Because well, not everybody's Tom Brady. Not no, everybody's Tiger I mean, Woods. Not everybody's Serena Williams. Not everybody's there, there Djokovic you go. and You're Ralph Sampras. But here's the thing. We do know uh, biochemically that they are different. And what I'm, what I'm wondering aloud is, I don't know the answer to this, is whether or not you can actually train your brain to perform in the way that you need to in order to do what some of these elite athletes do. Let me, let me explain what I mean. When Serena Williams is down in a match, now, of course, she doesn't play anymore, but when she was down in a match, which, by the way, was rare, she didn't get real upset or anxious or worried. And we believe part of that has to do with biology. If you look inside Serena Williams' brain when she is losing, she doesn't react biochemically the same way as an average person who's losing or even another elite athlete who's losing. It turns out that she becomes less sensitive, less anxious when she's losing. Tom Brady's the same way. Hmm. The belief is, is that the, the physical structure of their brains having to do with um, processing a feel-good chemical called serotonin uh, is, is slightly different. In a sense... Maybe so. Maybe you can't serotonin. train yourself this way. I don't know. I don't know because because I do know that your brain interacts with the environment. Okay, and I do know that receptors and chemicals can rise and fall as a result of your environment. Right. So you don't have to be born with a certain number of receptors to have a certain number of receptors. Receptors grow and die throughout your life in your brain. There, there must be some way to train. There must be some way to garner a healthier, more competitive brain, one that allows you to experience loss or almost loss differently than it feels for other average people. Like, again, if I'm playing a game and I'm losing and I start talking to myself, the next thing you know, I'm yelling at myself, I'm throwing the racket down. I think John McEnroe. Oh, yeah. And what's worse is I (laughs) actually play worse. Now, I don't know that John McEnroe played worse just because he beat up his rackets and yelled. He, I believe it's possible that he had a brain similar to Serena Williams and Tom Brady or he in could that dial in. he could dial it in. Sure, he sure. could relax at some level. He could, he could uber-focus. In other words, he wasn't second-guessing himself when times got tough. He wasn't in his head, so to speak. He could chill. He could relax. That's awesome. We believe that has something to do with the number of serotonin receptors and or the amount of serotonin being released. Like serotonin should really only be released when you're winning. Right, right. But here's the thing. It's possible that it's being released um, in greater amounts in somebody like Tom Brady's brain when he's losing than when you're winning. Would it be more accurate, though, to say it's released in greater amounts when he has a chance to come back and win? Well, look, all of us... Like it amplifies the victory. all of us have a chance to come back. But the question is, do we really, really believe we have it in us? Do we really believe there's enough time? Do we really believe it's possible? Again, maybe it has to do with, uh, you know, phenomenologically at least, maybe it has to do with whether or not you believe, whether or not you are a true believer in yourself. You know, I got to tell you, when it was 25 to 3, I was not a believer. Oh, my God. 25 to 3, I was not a believer, man. Good thing you weren't the quarterback or the coach then. No kidding. Right? Good thing. No kidding. Because I'll tell you who was a believer. Tom Brady. Number 12, baby. I don't think he ever, I don't think he's ever been in a game where he thought he was going to lose. I don't think so either, in but fact, he has been in a season where he knew it they couldn't well. win. Yeah, I, I can understand that because, I mean, you can just look at the record and, and sort of tell that. But 
I don't know that there's ever been a number of points in his entire career where he thought, man, you know what? Give me the ball. Game's over. I can come back. Yeah. Uh, so, look, you had mentioned earlier, I don't know if you were joking, I do want to dial in, and then I want to get to some of the, the dangers that some of these athletes yeah, have sure. to navigate and why do it, right? Definitely, yeah. I was um, joking earlier about um, you, concussions. You were, well, you, well, you were also joking about the, um, you know, Panther fans having the permanent testosterone of a prepubescent boy. No, I wasn't actually joking about that. Well, that's what we I was really do see you, so a reduction in testosterone. Well, let me ask it another way: free-floating testosterone when um, a person who's watching their favorite team sees their favorite team losing. Yeah. If you were to take a snapshot of their testosterone profile at that time, men in particular, their testosterone drops dramatically. I won't say it drops to that of a prepubescent boy. But it, it drops dramatically. All right. So look, I'm going to talk to my daughters here real quick. Yeah. Meadow and Autumn. Okay. If you are worried about uh, out-of-wedlock pregnancy, mm-hmm. you really need to consider dating a Jets fan. But I really don't want my kids dating an Eagle fan. And I mean that sincerely. Those people are dangerous. Jalen Hurts is the man. To- no, he's he's great until he loses, and then he'll get pelted with... Batteries and snowballs. Yeah, but that's only why. So what? That's a perfect transition. Why do Eagles though? fans climb light posts when they win? Why can't you be more like Kentucky fans and turn cars over, or more like you know Wisconsin fans and set? Yeah, things what on is fire? it like, with the dark side of sports? Is why? Why do people take the risk, and then why do people behave that it's way? It's a strange way win, to celebrate. Right? You got to admit, like win or lose, some fans are like, it, "I'm going to tear some things up." Yeah, well, I mean, the mob has always been dangerous, right? Yeah, well, you lose a sense of yourself, and you get really, really geeked up on, I guess, the adrenaline, and I guess the the goalpost just looks like something that you should grab. I don't know. So let's talk about why athletes want to be at the head of that potentially dangerous parade. Yeah, let's talk about that on the other side. We're back, dude. Oh man, I can't wait for this weekend. It's just getting the, this sports talk is getting my gets me fired up, up baby. dude. I love it. I think we've got a few college games tonight. Probably got um, who we got tonight? I don't know. It's college. Man, I wish I had. I wish I had Jim Steele in the uh, in the studio. He he'd give us a preview of all the. It, it is funny though. We, we got to start. We got to start doing some crossovers, man. We got to get people in here that are gonna be able to give us the. Uh, the skinny on the what's coming skinny. up. Yeah, you got to give us the uh, It's funny how much, like I said, we put into this stuff. You know, and I shouldn't minimize it because some of my happiest moments and memories are watching this stuff with my family, talking to my family. Mm-hmm. You just turned 50, and the one place you wanted to go was Lambeau Field, Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. And, and, you know, Think about it every day. I, still I, one I of just, the greatest vacation slash sporting events I've ever attended. Even though you decided to go with your brother and left sure. me, you know, Blowing in the wind. Listen, if I were a millionaire, I would love to have taken about four or five of you guys, man. I know, but you know, I was so something excited. Something tells me we would not have come back on time. Because <laughs> that place. It's like, oh, the ha- it's so like a bad episode of The Hangover. It's just so, so bad and so fun. Yeah, I, I, w- I just saw how excited you were to go, what it meant to you, and just how special that experience was. And, and not just you, but I've talked to so many Packer fans or yeah. fans of any team. and they, they, they save up. They get to go to this... And and it's just such an experience. And, and I mean, you get to wear a cheese head, dude. Come on. 
Oh, dude. Like, we should probably have that on today in the I should have brought my cheese head. Dude, the cheese I head. I should have brought my no, cheese there's head. There's no other hat in sports that's as cool as the cheese head. I think it's sad that you bought me a child's cheese head and it fits perfectly. <laughs> dude, I mean, that's really sad. The truth sad, is, though. I mean, I thought to myself, am I going to pay like $50 for a regular size cheese head for me and Nelson? Especially when you consider... The, the adult cheese head fit me perfectly, and my head is about a 5XL. I wanted to wrap up talking not just about how we experience sports, but how athletes do. And maybe this is sort of part of it, right? This We all have a desire to be remembered. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have a desire for you know, some form of immor- immortality. Sure. Abraham Lincoln, when he was depressed, was, you know, his friend Joshua Speed's like, you know, Abe, I'm afraid you're, you're going to kill yourself. And he he told Speed, "Don't worry, that I would gladly die, but I haven't done anything for which I might be remembered." And Lincoln believed that immortality was based off of, in many respects, how that you were remembered, that your name was spoken, mm-hmm. um, or that it's and, that and it I, is spoken. And My it, wife and I talk about that all the time. I'm like, "How long do you think it'll be before our name is erased from exactly. everyone's I, mind on this earth? It won't take many generations." So, ladies and gentlemen, again, if you're thinking about leaving a legacy, doing something um, that you believe is, uh, has been on your heart to do, do it now. That's what Nelson and I are doing with this podcast. Again, we're not generating That's any income, true. but we are leaving somewhat of a legacy. My kids, again, and his as well, um, will know him, will know me, um, and and you, this can be passed on for several generations. I guess as long as these these uh, audio recordings stay in the cloud, um, Apple may fold, Podbean, Pod, uh, Spotify may fold. Google Podcast. But we're on we're on like twenty or thirty of these these platforms now. So, with considering you know when considering an athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Um, why do this? I mean, the the dangers of high level athletic competition are real. We could go through They're the number of sports obvious, yeah. injuries, but like if we just go back to the gladiators, mm. which we mentioned at the ep- opening of this episode, mm-hmm. most, I mean, these were prisoners. These were slaves. Yeah. Who, by the why, way, didn't have a choice. Why? Yeah. Why compete? If you don't have a choice, why compete? Because again, they can what, leave. What is they, the they're, they're leaving something, right? They're I, leaving I, something. But that is If that you just say, you know what, I'm not going to compete, go motivator? ahead and kill me. I'm not going to compete. Go ahead and hang me or you know, feed me to the to the lions. I mean, that's what what fun is that? I mean, I think there is. I don't want to say a gene for it, but there's definitely a predisposition that maybe all mammals have to compete. And I don't think it's just about winning and losing. I think you're right. It's about, in some sense, preparing for you know war or at least preparing for future contingencies. Look. Um, in in some regards, even our play is fighting. Did you ever did you ever oh, do sure, that as a kid? Sure. I'll play play yeah, wrestle, play king man. of the hill, play. Yeah. You know, and it's it's all about, I guess, practicing for for the. Who is your favorite athlete of all time? Any sport? Oh, Michael Jordan Michael by Jordan. far. Michael yeah, Jordan. but I you know I also like Michael Phelps for um some some pretty obvious reasons. The guys uh, was pretty geeky. I think growing up. Guy's got a strange body type with a really long torso and short legs. Like he probably couldn't have done much else, but he figured out early that man, dolphins look like I do, and they're pretty good in the water. You know, long torsos, small, short legs, relatively speaking. And this guy is seriously like a boat motor. And the guy had asthma. 
So he was only yeah, like, I know. he was That's only crazy. processing maybe what, 50, 60, maybe 80% of the oxygen. A person, his, his size and his, um, um, in his otherwise health would be processing. Well, and th- this guy blew everybody away, man. Well, think about it. Did you watch the, uh, the documentary, uh, the last dance that they, it was right during the pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I, I, first of all, people should know we are sitting less than two miles yeah. from the house that Michael Jordan grew Absolutely. up in. My daughters go to Laney high school, yep. uh, high school. Went. Michael went to, there's a statue of him outside the gym. It's yep. Michael Jordan gymnasium. Um, Where it's, he earned it's a his cool first thing. paycheck at Whitey's, um, 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 restaurant. Oh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. now gone, but it's right there on Market Street, not but, too but far. But he was really like the first international celebrity. I remember him in 85, 87, well, in The Last Dance. I, I mean, superstar, remember. right? Like, oh, yeah. He was a international. It, yeah, international. Well, has there ever been, wasn't he the first? Wouldn't you argue yeah, he he's was the, the first. first true worldwide yes. superstar? Yes, absolutely. Um, again, absolutely. Muhammad Ali was, was maybe close, um, but, but. Some teams take on a cultural relevance, and that 90s bowl team. That 90s Bulls team was just so relevant. They were so everywhere. Um, you know, I, I think maybe a similar thing is happening right now with Deion Sanders uh, yeah. and Colorado. It's just like, well, this is transcending sports. Yeah. And for six out of eight years, everything Michael Jordan did mm. transcended sports. But he was first and foremost an athlete. And I remember in that last dance series, he got hurt mm. and, you know, he went back to Chapel Hill. He finished college. He exercised, and then he was starting to play basketball. Geography, by the way. That was his major. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the Bulls didn't know he was, like, exercising. And uh, yeah. so they he comes back, and they test him out. This is, like, toward the end of the season. And they look at him like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And uh, they have a sit-down. He wants to go back and play. He feels healthy. And the doctor says, look, there's a 10% chance mm-hmm. that – if you go back and get injured, you'll or if you go back, you're gonna get injured again. Ten percent. Yep. And Michael's like, Great. That's awesome. He's like, You don't understand. If you get injured, that's it. Yeah. Your there's a ninety percent chance I won't. And that's what he says. There's a ninety percent chance I won't. By the way, there are plenty of athletes that are told if you that? go back. Lots of them, man. There are plenty that? of athletes that are told but why if you go back, you will die if you get injured. Look at two attack of Iloa. Absolutely. Why do that? Why go back? Man, look. <clears throat> Again, to, I don't know if it's a competitive gene that they have or the gene for competition is just expressed differently or if they genuinely have some sort of brain disorder where they're just obsessive well, compulsive I don't know. about it's it. Not, I, I don't, don't want to be too judgmental. Is there something that you do, that you identify as, that you feel so strongly about that if you could not do it, you feel like you would die? I mean, honestly, that you yeah, explore, your exploring life my intellectual curiosities is one. I mean, yeah. as someone who has self-diagnosed as attention deficit disorder, um, I would argue that one of the things that I'm good at is hyper-focus, right? Like, yes, I'm easily distracted, and yes, I uh, try to do a lot of things at once, and sometimes I don't complete the things I start, and I make my wife and kids crazy. But the the superpower I have, I believe, is hyper-focus. Like, when I am interested in something... I can sit for hours and hours and perhaps days and a nuclear bomb could go off and it wouldn't break me away from what I'm doing. Um, you know, that, in my opinion, is a virtue. I but, love that. But is that. that based off of love and fascination no, for what that's, you're doing? No, that's based upon a brain that is neuroatypical. 
It's based upon a brain that is easily distracted, a brain that's somewhat impulsive, a brain that's hypervigilant and hyperactive. But, All right, let me ask you but this. The flip I got a great, I'll I got say, a great question. But, but for the flip you. side, right? Again, my brain is very distractible, but the flip side of that is it also means I'm very curious. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. So I got a great question for you, okay? Yeah. Two of the greatest athletes of my lifetime play golf. <laughs> All right. Tiger Woods is the best golfer I've Hard, ever seen. Hard again. And I don't know whether the most... I would call it a sport before I would call golfers okay, athletes. Come on. But look. The other genius, um, the Don't other say Phil Mickelson is Phil Mickelson. What? Look, you're not I a can't golfer. Believe so we're an hour like, into this. You're and not you a golfer, still, so I no, understand. I but look, I'm, let me pose the question. I also don't play Quidditch. Let me pose the question. Okay. Yeah. Phil Mickelson has a wife, kids. You know, on whole, relatively healthy. Yeah. Uh, life obviously he has a gambling addiction. I think <laughs> a little bit. He admits, a little bit. To, he admits to losing a billion, a billion dollars. dollars, dude. That no, that no, makes... he wagered a billion dollars. He lost a hundred million, which is oh, still pretty gross. I mean, but okay, so he's got that. But and we make fun of the the actor that has spent his money frivolously. Um, the guy that played in Raising Arizona and Leaving Las Vegas, Nicholas Cage. Oh yeah, yeah, people make fun of him for the stupid financial decisions he's made. But look, here's the thing. Yeah. Would you rather be Tiger Woods mm. or Michael Jordan mm. and have the these obsessions of with winning or Tom Brady right. who is obsessed with winning at all costs with 100%, being the best or would if you I rather were never be, a husband and father or would you rather be Phil Mickelson and win 50 tournaments, five majors, six majors and have a normal life, and See, I mean, don't, I don't you think these that. guys I don't are obsessed? I buy that Phil Mickelson has had a normal life, right? It's easy for him to say that, but let's let's face it: a guy like Phil Mickelson that admits to wagering a billion dollars, he's played in all these oh, tournaments, no. he's flown I, all over I, the world. I'm with you. You gotta admit, you gotta assume that he can't be that great a dad. All right, so he what, hasn't been home that much. Okay, let's do this. He then. can pat himself on the back for bringing a lot of money in and sending his kids to private schools and giving them whatever they want. But what, the truth is, but what he's I'm half get, the dad I am. I got it. But what I'm trying to get at I'm is I'm always this. home do because you have, I have to be. Do you have to be nuts, a little nuts, yes. to be great? Yes. To a be little on the nuts, pantheon. Maybe a lot of nuts, a lot of obsess. And you really shouldn't have children or a family that you love. Because either A, and is it you're not going to love that? them as much, or B, they're not going to love you. No, I don't think it is. Yeah. I don't think I'm capable of being any better than I am at anything and being half the dad I am. It seems kind of confining, doesn't it? To, to way, be an expert, to be that good at one thing. Doesn't that seem so limiting in some respects? It is, but you know what? We celebrate that too, man. We, we sure say do. things like, oh my God, Tom Brady is a great athlete and a wonderful dad. Or Michael Jordan is my favorite say, athlete. Like, you know, we, we, we put so much pressure on women by comparison, don't we? It's sure, like, uh, sure. The woman needs to be like Serena. She's been judged from hell and back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, because, yeah, we expect so much more out of moms. But, yeah. But honestly, it's easier to do. It's easier for the public to believe you're a great athlete and a great, great dad than it is to believe you're a great athlete and a great mom. Do you think the risks that athletes today take um, – with regards to like CT, is it worth? You have a you have a, a parent, son. You have a son. Mm-hmm. He wants to play football. Will I play? let him? I have to admit, if I didn't, if I wasn't married to the woman I'm married to, who is very cool and calm and rational, I would probably say, yeah, I'd probably let him play. I'd be micromanaging and supervising and there all the time. 
But my wife is like, absolutely not. And you wow. know what? To be true, to be quite honest with you, I'm glad I have her because you know, just the other night I was in class at UNCW, and I got a, a phone ring. A, my phone rang in class. I picked it up because it was my wife, and she would never call me during class unless it was an emergency. So I was prepared that someone was hurt. And sure enough, true to form, she said, "I'm in an ambulance, and we're heading to the hospital." Um, Oliver, my son, six years old had done a Superman sort of flight out of a swing at Landfall where my daughter was practicing soccer. And uh, he'd come down on his arms to kind of catch himself. And he even told me later that he did that so that he wouldn't hit his head. So he was smart enough to kind of guard against hitting his head. I'm not sure how true that is. He It's probably just instinct to stick your hands out. But anyway, he dislocated his arm pretty bad. And I couldn't help but to think, man, what kind of injury could he have sustained if he were out on a football field tonight practicing? Not with six-year-olds, but 16, 18, yeah, sure. 21. Sure. I mean, you know, 20 miles an hour, these professional football players can run. I know, it's incredible. And they hit each other, at both of them traveling at 20 miles an hour. Again and you again You saw and again. Nick Chubb's leg for the second time oh, fold God. up sideways. Like, dude, I used to feel bad if I would pull one of my G.I. Joe character's legs out. I mean, that's what it looked like to me, looking at that injury. Um, and that's that's the leg. You know, that's not going to, barring any kind of infection, that's not going to take your life early. But these concussions, even these sub-concussions, these, these you know, slow-rolling traffic accidents that are happening 60, 70 times a game between the linemen, um, yeah. I've got a former professional football player in my family. His name's Mark Fisher. And he told me when I first met him, uh, he played for the Redskins 1999, 98, something like that. He was a center, All-American at Purdue, went to the Redskins. And he said, man, yeah, every time we locked up, every play, it was like a concussion, a mini concussion, a sub-concussion. He said, and everybody knows it, but no one talks about it. They only talk about it when it's um, when it's a – an obvious concussion from like a star player, like from one of the, the, um, the more famous positions, right? Wide receiver, quarterback, running back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he said, but the linemen, man, they're concussed all game long, every game. He goes, it's not just the pros, it's high school, it's college. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so no, I I would absolutely. Damar Hamlin. Yeah. Well, you start, Uh, you know, Joe Theismann, Damar Hamlin. And yes, you can get. Dennis Bird. Yeah. I mean, we know, we know the names. You can get hurt. Sure. Uh, shoot. Uh, recently, um, the kid from uh, Kansas City who went, um, Alex Smith. I mean, uh, that was yeah. nasty. Oh my god. That looked yeah. like Jim uh, Theismann. Uh, the Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann. Excuse me. Classic. No, Jim Theismann. Yeah. Classic Joe. But yeah, you can get uh, hurt in any game, right? Sure. But, sure. I mean, yeah, football is extraordinarily dangerous, and the truth is, I don't know how much safer we can make it without changing the game so dramatically that we don't even recognize it. I just don't know. Yeah, I think we're probably reaching the limits of how safe we can make it. And I may be mistaken. I mean, again, but, but let's let's wrap. Yeah. I just, I just, there's two questions I want to ask. Yeah. We need two diagnoses. Okay. All right. The first diagnosis I'm going to ask you for mm-hmm. is the fan. Yeah. What uh, what diagnosis are we giving the fan? And please remember when you answer. Yeah. Fan mm-hmm. is short for. Fanatic. Fanatic. Yeah. Um, you know, if you just if you're not thinking about the fanatic part, you think of a fan as just someone who's, you know, living vicariously 
um, through through a team or through their favorite player. But you know, I, I I wonder, like a true fan, a true fanatic. I mean, this is someone who's all but lost their mind. I mean, it, it's as close <laughs> to like a psychotic break, I think, as you can <laughs> as you can sort of find. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a psychotic disorder, at least a brief psychotic episode. Okay. While the game's going on, right? Not full okay, on schizophrenia, no, no, not I a gotcha, delusional gotcha, disorder, gotcha. but definitely a brief psychotic episode. It's a brief break, maybe 30 minutes or an hour, maybe three hours if you're into NASCAR. It's a brief break from reality. Can I offer mine? Yeah. On game day, if my team wins, I wear the same outfit. Yeah. Not the next week. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, a little superstition. I, I have the same clothes. I know it doesn't matter, but it no, feels, feels good. like it matters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say that a fan could very easily be diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I was going to say, now, the flip side of that, right, I guess that's the next question you're going to ask. What about a professional athlete? What, what about, about the a, athlete? What about a high-level elite athlete? Yeah. Like, what's going on in their minds? Yeah. Um, definitely... Some obsessive compulsive personality. I don't know about disorder, but definitely an obsessive compulsive personality. Loves routine, very scrupulous, detailed oriented, perfectionistic in their thinking. I mean, come on, Tom Brady, perfectionism. Yeah. This guy is videoing himself, like he's measuring every single thing he does. Right. And he's trying to shave time off his release. He's already got one of the quickest releases ever documented in football. And he was trying to shave time off that thing his entire career. A guy willing to possibly change the angle of his delivery, changing his drop back steps. Not to mention the air pressure in his footballs. Right? (laughs) Having to do it with a less than firm football, that had to be difficult. (laughs) How do you throw a spiral with a less? 21st century philosopher Taylor Swift. Haters going to hate. Yeah. So I'm going to give, I'm going to give these guys a little obsessive compulsive personality. And maybe a little uh, attention deficit hyperactivity because, honestly, they're hyper-focused, man. They're hyper-focused. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, make sure you check out our spinoff coming in the next couple of months where we step off the couch and we decide to put them on the court. Yeah, let's do that as we prepare for the college basketball season. Certainly, ladies and gentlemen, by you guys March, don't want to miss Jason by March, crying. we definitely got to have a put him on the court. And again, I apologize to Jim Steele, who does it as well, if not better than anyone out there. The coach's chair, if you haven't heard it, oh, please absolutely. go out and take, check a, out take a co- listen. Please subscribe. All right. We'll see you guys next time, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed it. Hut, hut. <laughs>